Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Well, it's also really encouraging when so much of what has happened this morning actually fits in with what you're going to preach about. So, thank you everybody for their contributions. Thank you so much, Anna and and Philippa for leading us. I thought you did extremely well in extremely uh, challenging circumstances. And we'll hopefully have a bit more about that to say later on. Okay. (coughs) This morning I want to tackle the subject of how Christians should relate the experiences of life. And lots of people have talked about their experiences this morning, so it seems to fit in really well. We all have experiences, some good, some bad, and some that on the face of it seem frankly quite bizarre, and we're not quite sure what to make of them. I seem to have one that fell in the bizarre category when we went to North at the end of August. I'd booked into the dog and gun for two nights bed and breakfast on the Saturday and Sunday nights. When I got there on the Saturday, I was advised that I might wish to go somewhere else on the Sunday night. Because while my room was still available at the Dog and Gun, there was going to be an all-night party beneath my room on the Sunday night. And my chances of getting much sleep didn't look particularly good. I took the hint, especially when the landlords at the Dog and Gun offered to find me alternative accommodation for the Sunday night. About ten minutes later, the landlord's wife came back to proudly announce that they'd booked me into the Black Swan guest house a couple of miles away, and that they were confident I'd be fine there as it had been newly refurbished. Furthermore, she was delighted to be able to send some business their way, as they had previously agreed that they would recommend each other's accommodation to guests if they happened to be full. Eve and I were given directions on a Saturday afternoon and we drove over there. When we saw two black swans on the gate, we were confident we'd reached the right place. The landlord was just coming back with his dogs as we pulled onto the drive and he said that although he hadn't personally taken the phone call from the dog and gun, he assumed his wife had and he confirmed that they did have a vacancy on the Sunday night for their single room. The accommodation at the Dog and Gun on the Saturday night and at the Black Swan on the Sunday night was fine, but as I paid my bill at the Black Swan on the Monday morning, I received some rather surprising information. The landlady at the Black Swan was adamant she'd not had a telephone call from the Dog and Gun or from anybody else. Uh, And when I arrived on a Saturday afternoon to check where the Black Swan was and to confirm my booking for the Sunday night, it was the very first that heard of me. (laughs) According to Landlady, it was sheer chance that that their single room was not booked on the Sunday night. If if I'd not turned up on the Saturday to claim the, the, the room for the Sunday night, they could well have let it out to someone else and I'd been well and truly out in the cold on the Sunday night. All I could do was to thank God for his provision of two good nights sleep and, and be grateful that he was in it somewhere. On the way home on the Monday afternoon I spoke to Eve about my surprising experience. My conclusion was that someone could not be telling the entire truth. 
If the landlords at the Dog and Gun had not spoken to the Black Swan, how could they have been so confident there was a vacancy for me on the Sunday night? I noticed a church newsletter in the 4x4 vehicle of the landlord of the Dog and Gun as he dropped me and my luggage off at the campsite on the Sunday morning. Was he relying on a word of knowledge when his wife said he'd spoken to the Black Swan and they had a vacancy? Was there some other explanation such that had been on the internet and seen a vacancy there? When I emptied my wallet of my receipts on the Monday night, the first clues as to what happened began to emerge. My receipts show that I actually stayed at a guest house called Swan House, not the Black Swan. Yet Swan House was exactly where the directions from the dog and gun had taken us to. So where was the Black Swan? A search on the internet showed that the Black Swan was more than 10 miles away as the crow flies and more like 15 miles by road. It would have been a round trip of around 30 miles or so to the campsite. So in fact everyone was telling the truth to the best of their belief and knowledge. Unfortunately the landlords of the dog and gun had booked me at the Black Swan on Tremolian Moor some 15 miles away when in fact they thought they were booking me into Swan House only a couple of miles away. No wonder Swan House was surprised to see me. On the Monday evening, once I realised what had happened, I rang the Black Swan to apologise for my no-show on the Sunday night and to explain what had happened. They were remarkably gracious about the matter. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So how should Christians relate to their experiences? It is unfortunately commonplace for Christians to set their experiences in opposition to the Bible because from time to time they go through an experience which does not line up with their understanding of a Bible promise. They then question, is the Bible wrong? Since my experience contradicts it, this produces doubt and unbelief and can undermine their walk with God. Therefore some people suggest as a solution, do not seek, expect, look at or trust in experiences, but rather study the Bible and trust the Bible alone. Experiences lie, but the Bible is true. There are however unfortunate consequences from adopting this approach. Renouncing experiences removes several wonderful ways which God has chosen to reveal himself to us. This results in cutting off several of the ways God would use to reveal truth to his children. God can reveal truth through experiences, dreams and visions, and revelation in one's heart. Even negative experiences can be the stimulus to searching out a deeper truth than the one initially perceived. For example, when it was revealed to the prophet Habakkuk that a just God was going to use a wicked Babylon to punish evil in Judah, she sought God's further revelation on this matter, and God revealed to him that in due course, Babylon would be punished and faith rewarded. The wise men found Jesus because of the experience of following a star. The shepherds found Jesus because they followed the leading of an experience they had involving a vision of angels. In the book of Esther, King Ahasuerus's negative experience and not being able to sleep was a stimulus which brought Israel's deliverance from those intent on their annihilation as a people group. The scribes and Pharisees all missed Jesus because their current interpretation of the Bible left no place for the Messiah to be born in a manger. They were not open to, not looking for and not listening to the voice of the Spirit or to God speaking to them through experience. Since the Pharisees' interpretation of the Bible led them to reject Jesus, they ignored all experiences with Jesus as inaccurate deceptions which did not line up with the scriptures. 
As John chapter 12 verse 10 makes clear, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, the Pharisees, with the probable exception of Nicodemus and one or two others, were even willing to put Lazarus to death again, just so they could remove any experiential evidence which was contrary to their understanding and interpretation of the Bible. Let's look at six improper ways of relating to experiences. And for those who like lists, this is the sermon for you. Number one, it's possible to camp out at the experience and let this experience be the end of your spiritual pilgrimage. For example, on the Mount of Transfiguration, referred to in Luke 9, verses 29 to 33. In verse 33, Peter said, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter fell into the camping out, Peter fell into the camping out of the experience trap when he proposed erecting three shelters so they could all stay up in the glory on the mountain for an extended period. The proposal was not appropriate, not least because Jesus had work to accomplish before he went to the cross. Number two, and equally improper, it is, it is possible to worship the experience. You recall in September, Owen preached on the Israelites grumbling in the wilderness. And in Numbers 21, when the Israelites had complained against the Lord's provision of food, that he had sent venomous snakes among them, which killed many, and at the Lord's direction, Moses had been forced to make a bronze snake and put it up on a pole so that anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at it and live. However, it becomes clear in the Bible that eventually, and for hundreds of years, the bronze snake was worshipped by the Israelites until Hezekiah took the decisive step of destroying it altogether. You can read about this in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 4. It is very easy to have a great experience in God and then hold it up as an idol in one's heart without ever realising that that is what you are actually doing. Number three, it is very easy to let a negative personal experience such as the loss of a loved one to cause you to doubt the truth of the Bible such as God's love and protection. But the truth in Romans 8 verse 38 to 39 is for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And in Hebrews 13 verse 8 it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Number four. It is possible for a believer not to believe in some aspect of God for the simple reason that he's not yet experienced that particular aspect. A very good example of this is found in John 20, verse 24, where Thomas, with the following words, said he would not believe in our resurrected Lord because he'd not personally experienced it. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. Do not let the fact that you've not personally experienced something in God restrict your faith. Number five. It is possible to observe another Christian's life and his or her negative experiences and create a bitter root judgment about God's unfaithfulness toward his children. As described in Hebrews 12 verse 15. 
This is improper because he or she has no idea what's going on in that person's life, what spiritual force are surrounding him and working within him, or if God is testing him. In Romans 14 verse 4 we read, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand if the Lord is able to make him stand. This makes clear that we do not have enough knowledge to make a judgment. Number six. It is possible for a believer to measure his spiritual experiences against another's and decide that he's not a spiritual. For example, I didn't get a vision of an angel or a picture. I didn't fall down or tremble or shake when I was prayed for. And therefore I'm not as spiritual as those who do. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves they are not wise that's from 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12 and makes abundantly clear all such comparisons are foolish having dealt with the negative let's move on to consider the positive let's look at seven proper ways of relating to experiences Number one, one can understand that life is an experience and that life with God is to be an experience of enjoying an intimate love relationship with God as Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. That's in cha Genesis chapters 1 and 2. For the Christian this involves dreams, visions, hearing God's voice and experience of his heart of compassion toward him and through him to others. Acts 2 verse 17 states, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Number two, it is possible to let an experienced leader Christian to search scripture for new insights. For example, Paul's visionary experience on the Damascus Road in Acts chapter 9 was followed by three years in the Arabian Desert. Galatians chapter 1, where he adjusted his theology based on the new insights he received from his Damascus Road experience. Number three, a Christian can let an experience lead him to seek God in repentance and deep obedience. For example, in Exodus 15 verse 26 it says, If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. And in James 5 verse 16 it says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So therefore if a Christian finds himself sick, he or she will be wise to seek the Lord concerning any commands he or she is not obeying. And that will possibly bring this sickness upon him. If God reveals to him an issue that needs dealing with, he or she can repent and receive healing prayer. Number four. God uses experiences to test our hearts to see if there's faith there. Abraham was asked to put his son on an altar and raise a knife to kill him in obedience to God. Genesis 22 verses 1 to 19. God tested the Israelites ten times in the wilderness and they failed each test by not believing God in the midst of their, of their adversity. Therefore God said they would receive the destruction they expected. Numbers 14 verses 22 to 23 indicates Not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert 
but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times. Not one of them will see the land I promised on oath to their forefathers. And Numbers 14, 27-28 states, I've heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites, so tell them, As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. Sergeant Major Arthur Cook served with the British Army in France throughout the full four years and three months of the traumatic First World War and was wounded for the first and only time ten days before the armistice on the 1st of November 1918, which is exactly 91 years ago today. Writing from his hospital bed as he recovered, he wrote, I have always been a firm believer in prayer and after what I have been through, my faith is stronger than ever. The trials of war had found faith in his heart. <coughs> Number five. We must apply a proper understanding of the principle of sowing and reaping, which can be found in Galatians 6 verse 7, which is that after you sow biblical truth and practices in your life, you will need to wait a while for a harvest of biblical blessings. The experience of the harvest will not be immediate. There is a growing period between sowing and reaping, which may take many years even generations. For example, the sin of 490 years of not letting the land lie fallow every seventh year was finally reaped in Habakkuk's lifetime when the Israelites were taken into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. In the book of Genesis, God worked in the life of Joseph over many years, so that in Genesis 41 verse 43, he was equipped to be in charge of the whole land of Egypt and was second in command to Pharaoh. In our society, where people expect instant results, such as those obtained by superfast broadband, the principle of waiting for the harvest to appear is often overlooked. Number six. If the experiences of life require us to die in faith, we are to do so still believing in God. That is what the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 did. We do not know what our God will require of us in the future. But like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the book of Daniel, who were in fact spared death at the critical moment through the Lord's sovereign intervention, we must be prepared to put our earthly lives on the line if that's what he calls us to do. Number seven. An experience can build one's faith. For example, on the Emmaus Road in Luke 24, the disciples experienced a conversation with Jesus, perhaps in a vision since he instantly disappeared at the close of his discourse. Jesus reinterpreted scripture by illuminating various Old Testament passages to them. This caused the disciples' hearts to burn within them, which was an experience, and the result of this experience was that their faith grew, verse 34. They began sharing their experience with the disciples, most likely causing the faith of the disciples to rise as well. As I was considering the application of this session, two key questions came to mind. Should Christians expect to go through challenging or testing experiences? And secondly, should Christians seek experiences in God? In respect of the first question, I firmly believe Christians should expect to go through challenging or testing experiences. When Joshua was commissioned as the leader who would bring Israel into their inheritance in Canaan, he received the same warning three times in the first chapter of Joshua. Be strong and courageous. The first two warnings came from the Lord himself, 
The third came from his fellow Israelites. After the third warning, Joshua must surely have understood one thing. Entering into the promised land would not be easy. The same applies to Christians today who seek to take hold of the promised blessings of the new covenant. God assures us that he will be with us and fulfill all his promises to us. At the same time he warns us that we will face various forms of opposition which will test our faith and our commitment. In Acts 14 verse 22 the apostles Paul and Barnabas give a similar warning to a group of new converts. We must go through many tribulations to enter the kingdom of God. Any rule that bypasses the tribulations will not take us into the kingdom. As Christians we need an attitude of fixed determination that pushes through regardless of every kind of difficulty or discouragement. Just as the Lord himself resolutely set out for Jerusalem knowing what awaits him there. Once you settle the issue in our hearts then the tribulations will not deter us. I think we've had a great example of that this morning with Anna and Philippa. They pushed through without the, without the regular musicians being there. Well done. You battled through. Well done. Secondly, should Christians seek experiences in God? I firmly believe it is entirely biblical for Christians to seek experiences in God. To quote but two scriptures. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And in Acts 17 verse 28, For in him we live and move and have our being. However, after one has an experience in God, he or she should go back to scripture and seek to ground the experience within its pages. As 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 21 makes clear, Test everything, hold on to the good. The Bible should teach you about the experience specifically, or allow the experience through the application of biblical principles. So, for example, we may go through a difficult or challenging experience, where we struggle to see God's light in what is going on. The experience itself may not be specifically mentioned in scripture, but may be reasonable to conclude that it aligns with Psalm 23 verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. On an individual basis, I believe we need to be open to the Holy Spirit's conviction to show us whether we are relating to past or current experiences in a proper way. If necessary, we repent and receive prayer so that we grow up and press on to maturity. In our groups, let's be open this week to fresh experiences in God, but let's be also be open to God's freshness when we are on our own, when we meet together on a Sunday. In conclusion, therefore, Properly understanding how to relate to experiences can provide many precious biblically stated and illustrated ways in which God can guide and lead and interact with his children. An improper understanding of how to relate to experiences can cause much anguish in one's Christian life. Cutting all experiences off is not proper. Seeing God at work and in seeing God at work in and through experience is the proper goal. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk.